You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Series called Come to the Table. And it's actually inspired by our, our kids camp, which just wrapped up uh, this last week. A kids camp where our kids were learning all sorts of great stories about Jesus and Jesus' radical welcome. Jesus saying, yes, there is room. Yes, there is enough at God's table. And when we looked at that for our kids, we thought, how is that not what we as adults, we as the people gathered here this morning in person and online, how is this not what we need to hear too? That there's room at God's table and that there's enough. That word enough is one that we're going to be exploring this morning. Because this morning we actually are going to be leaning into a story that is about a child who reaches into his pockets and says, this is what I have. This is who I am, Jesus, and I'm, I'm showing up this morning, and I'm, what can you do with this? And we're going to lean into that story and ask a bit for ourselves, too. Jesus, this is who we are. This is what we have. What can you do with it, God? Would you amaze us? So we have our friend Jason Sexton, who is going to come up and read scripture for us, if you would welcome him. And here at City Church, now that some of us are gathered in person, we love to stand for the reading of God's word, just to show that honor and and engagement with our full selves. So Jason, take it away. Reading from John chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? (coughs) Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Thanks be to God. People of God, this is the word of God. 
Thanks be to God. I also want to invite up our friend Selene Zazueta because she is going to come pray over our kids because we like to take a moment to remember the children among us here in person at Lafayette Elementary School in the Wrigley neighborhood. Good morning, everyone. Would you pray with me, please? God, I pray for you. I pray for your protection, your protection for our children, for their physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental health. God, please watch over every child. We can't always be with them, but you can. Please keep them safe and help them make good choices. I pray that you keep them safe and free of injuries or illnesses. Guard our children from all dangers of this world. I pray that you would help them see and know that she, he, they, them are enough and love just as they are. And I especially ask you to watch over and protect all the children and detention centers. Please protect them in every way. Keep them from physical, emotional, and mental pain. Be with them all the time. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Selene. Wow. What a gift. Uh, and so if you have kids, kids are invited back to the far corner for story time. If you want to have a story read to you, you're more than welcome to go there. You don't have to, but you're invited. So in this passage, um, there, there are a few things going on, and we're just going to take kind of one lens and, and look at this passage. Uh, this passage of, of the big and the small. Because Jesus sees the crowd, and it's a great crowd. It's a big crowd. And Jesus kind of has, he's got vision for, for what can happen. He asks this question uh, in verse 5. He says, where shall we buy food for all these people? How are we going to feed all these people? And and this stirs up in the disciples a lot of anxiety. And I don't know if you've uh, if you spent any time with Jesus, uh, you probably have the experience of anxiety because Jesus messes with you. This is, this is Jesus's job, to mess with you and to stir up like, yeah, what is, what is how, are, how do we feed these people? And the immediate reactions... Um, we have two immediate reactions by the disciples. These are the, these are the good people, right? Good religious folks. Um, and this is what Philip says in verse 7. It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for everyone just to have a bite. Nothing like a little sarcasm to use with your Savior, right? Philip's actually showing his hand here. He's, he's letting us in on what we all struggle with, which is the problems are too big. The crowd, the number of tents on the underneath the highway overpasses, right? The homelessness crisis or the education of our youth, justice in our cities. The problems are too big. And, and it's not just those problems. Those problems are too big, too. I mean, this is, this is what Philip's looking at. He's like, 
are you kidding me? We don't have that kind of budget. That's what literally he said. It would take 200 denarii, which is half a year's wages. That We don't have that kind of budget. And you look at your family budget and you go, I, how am I supposed to fix whatever problem it is you're looking at? Whether it's educating your own kids or whether it's caring for the world. The problems are just too big. And as a church, that's often what we say. Well, we're not big enough. We don't have a big enough budget. We can't change the world. And then there's Andrew. If the, if the crowd is too big for Philip, if the problems are too big for Philip, for Andrew, what he has is too small. So his response, another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? It's the classic line, right? I, I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. Whereas one's looking at the size of the crowd and it's too big. The other's looking inside saying it's too small. And maybe it's just you're dealing with a friend who has depression. And you're like, I, I don't have what it takes. I, I can't help them. Or maybe you're, you're wrestling with some bigger issue like the racial equity at your school. God, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I just have five small barley loaves, two small fish. And in some ways that the emotions attached to these responses, these are our emotions. This is for us. There's sort of the outrage, the dismissal, like, ah, I, we can't do that. And it's, it protects us. And then that's Philip. And then Andrew is like kind of defeated. But it helps you not feel responsible. Like, well, I, I guess I don't really need to do anything. I mean, I don't, I don't have enough money to give. I'm just a college student. But I can't really, whatever money I have will make a difference. And in some ways, again, it's this protection. And as a church, we say, well, we're, we're too small. The problems are too big. But I suspect Jesus is here, and he's actually introducing this question and this anxiety for each of us, kind of inviting us to say, hmm, wow, what if we really look at how big it is? Really look at how small we are. And not just sort of dismiss or be defeated, but actually dive in individually and corporately. And there's really a gracious invitation here. So good. And I resonate. I resonate with this idea that, yes, Jesus is constantly 
bringing up anxiety. He's constantly bringing up more challenge and more questions. And yet what I also see in this passage, in this story, is this incredible calm that Jesus brings as well. Because in the midst of his disciples' anxiousness, Jesus is entirely non-anxious. He is that calm, centering presence. We see in verses five and six, he says, yeah, he sees the great crowd coming before him. He sees the situation. 5,000 men probably means something more like 10,000 people, right? It's huge. Masses. He sees it. And yet he already has in mind what he's going to do. Something in him responds to the challenge, not with anxiety, but with, okay, let's go. All right, we got this. Jesus has this calm certainty that there will be enough. There will be enough. And when I look at that, it seems as if there's an important why behind that belief, an important why behind his ability to be so calm in the midst of a challenging and uncertain situation. He actually sees the situation differently where I totally resonate at times with Philip and with Andrew. I'm, I'm crunching numbers. I'm thinking practically, I'm, ah, you know, just evaluating the odds and thinking about worst case scenarios and, and just trying to get ready. When Jesus looks at this situation, it seems like what he sees is potential. He sees all the ways that this problem could be solved. He sees a small boy with a small, incredibly humble lunch, those fish, that bread, this was not fancy stuff. This was a bread made of barley, not flour. It was a couple of sardines canned and preserved in brine. This isn't fancy food. This is just a simple lunch drawn from a pocket. But he sees that and says, yeah, I can work with that. I can do something amazing out of that. There's a kind of traditional interpretation of this story, and I absolutely claim it. I claim it for us here this morning that says the reason that Jesus saw potential is because he knew what he could do. He knew that with that small lunch, he could multiply it. And he could make that, that absolutely not enough offering be enough through his own power. It would be miraculous. And I think there are times for many of us that we have seen the miraculous. There are times that we just feel like we did not know what the way forward was going to be in a hard situation. And yet a way forward was made. And it wasn't about us. It wasn't about our efforts. It was just Jesus did something. It was just miraculous. It's hard not to read a story like this this morning and not think about you as a church and what God has done among you in the food pantry that City Church has been providing for 
50 families over the course of the pandemic. Because I remember back a year and a half ago, and it was the first week, everything had shut down and we decided to have a Zoom meeting just to reassure ourselves that we could, right? Let's jump in, let's figure out this new technology back then. And, and half of you, half of the church came so that we could talk about what it was gonna mean to be the church moving forward. And one of the first issues that was raised was there are gonna be people who are hungry. There are gonna be people who are struggling. And as a church, you just said, okay, what's in our pockets? What can God do with this? Let's go. We did not have any sort of infrastructure, any budget plan. It was just, there may be hungry people. Let's see. And now somehow miraculously over the course of a year and a half, there's been enough. It's a, we're about to run out of money and $5,000 shows up from a grant that we don't remember applying for. <laughs> Guess we did. There's just been enough. Do we look for and do we notice those small miracles where it's just Jesus and Jesus makes it happen? But there's a less traditional interpretation too that I actually want to hold up as another miraculous way that God works. And this interpretation, which I'm not, I'm not saying it's either or, I'm, I'm actually going to hold both this morning. It goes a little bit more along the lines of stone soup. Anybody remember reading those stor that story when you're little? There's actually a variation in like all sorts of different cultures all over the world where there's a situation where a man is hungry and nobody has food to share. Nobody. There's just not enough. Everybody is in this scarcity mindset. And so he decides to start making stone soup, boiling water, and, and just think, I'm going to share his water, his soup made of water and hot stones. And before you know it, everybody starts getting a little curious, and, and generosity is contagious. And there's this sense of possibility, potential, rising up again, and everyone starts to bring out just a little bit. And so without detracting at all, from Jesus' power in the situation, just to make it happen, just to work miracles. I actually don't know what use there is believing in God without believing that God's bigger than I am and can do mysterious and incredible things. So without taking away from that, there's a piece of me that also wonders. As Jesus took and he broke the bread, and as he began to distribute it, the fish, if people didn't start going, oh, you know, I actually had a little little something here too. I wonder if maybe I could share that. Oh, and I have this and I have that. And if that isn't part of the miracle that happened that day. Generosity can be contagious. And that's actually pretty miraculous too. And it's a miracle that Jesus starts with his example. And City Church, again, I just, I have to say it, and it's not bragging on me and Bill, because, you know, so often we are just along on the ride with you guys. We don't know what we're doing. You probably figured out that if you've been around a couple weeks, at least. We don't necessarily know what we're doing. We're just on the journey with you. But as you guys stepped out in faith to say, like, all right, how can we help if there are hungry people? Churches around the city started to notice, and they were inspired 
by your example. And a large foundation and, and large churches with a lot of money all kind of said, huh, we're not necessarily the ones who are super close to the situation. We're not necessarily embedded in small neighborhoods and small communities the way that the smaller churches are. So maybe we just need to give them some resources. That's actually part of how this food ministry has worked for us as a church. Bigger churches, bigger organizations have said, yeah, let us help. Let us come alongside you because generosity is contagious. I love this story because this is the kind of church we are and want to be. Probably about four years ago now, we decided that we were just not going to chase becoming a bigger church, that that was just not all that interesting to us. That in fact, it felt like it came with, for us, a lot of strings. That instead, we actually wanted to say, what if it's about potential or a related word, potency? What if it's not about how big we are as a church, but how much we just let God use us? We just say, yeah, God, you can do incredible things with small, ordinary little lives like ours, small, ordinary, messy little churches like ours. What if we just, we just decide to try and be that kind of church? We're just here. And we're available. And we want to see what God can do. One of the things that we have noticed by leaning in that way is that it, it helps us see like Jesus sees. If you're here this morning, we can't help but look at you and go, ooh, I wonder what's in their pocket. Not in a creepy way. <laughs> but what gifts do they have? We look at each of you and think you, you're leaders, you're potential leaders, you are people that Jesus would delight to partner with. He looks at you and he sees you as amazing. He sees you as world changers. Maybe in small and humble ways. And yet the small and the humble, when each of us leans in, it just adds up. And amazing things are accomplished. One of the things that we've really embraced about being a small church, and this is not to knock large churches. God actually uses both. He uses mega churches. He uses kind of middle-sized churches. He uses teeny tiny groups of five or six gathered around somebody's kitchen table or patio table these days, right? God, God uses all kinds of churches. But one of the particular gifts about being small is that we get to go places and do sorts of ministry and love people that big churches just sometimes can't. That was kind of that example, right, of the food ministry. Big churches just aren't always quite as local, quite as connected in some cases. Uh, a writer who I really enjoyed, and I'm blanking on his name right this second, but the way he described it was this. You picture a big church as being sort of like a combine, like one of those great big farm tools, right, that just kind of like steers straight down the middle of a field. And it kind of gathers everything that's easy right there in the middle. And it, it, it's just kind of a one-size-fits-all sort of way of gathering a crop. But in small churches, 
we picture Jesus a little bit more like someone gardening by hand, saying, yeah, I see the exact tool needed for me to love that person well. I, I see exactly the kind of care and cultivation that's needed right here in this corner. And there's a sense of each of us in this church being invited to live that way, being invited to say like you, you live on, on the outskirts of the field. There are people in your life who you are just uniquely situated to love well, which by the way, may or may not have anything to do with church. I'm not saying you are, because churches do that a lot, right? Like you're uniquely situated to invite people to come to our church. That's not what I said. I said, you're uniquely situated to love some people in your life well. That looks, there are so many different ways that can look. There are so many different possibilities. But first, you actually have to see yourself the way that Jesus does. To see yourself with potential. To know that your life has potency. Your generosity, your love can be contagious. So I think we're actually going to invite someone up right now who's going to kind of share what that looks like in their life. It's going to be great, Charmaine Sumner. Where are you? Come on down. There you go. Welcome, Charmaine. Is this other mic working? Do I need to push a button or something? It's on? Hi. What do I need to do? Oh. Turn on the on button. I see. I didn't realize it was that complicated, Joe. Joe's in the back here. He runs the show. Um, this is Charmaine Sumner, and she's a friend of City Church. How long have you been around City Church, Charmaine? Um, so it's actually almost six years. Oh so it'll be six years in August or September, somewhere around Oh, there. my gosh. Why, and why did you end up here? Like, why, why did you come to City Church? Um, I just like how simple it is. I like how real it is and, like, how you guys mentioned, we all walk alongside each other, just trying to figure out this Jesus thing. There you go. Um, so, Charmaine, tell us just a little bit about your uh, illustrious career. So how long have you been working? At, well, you, you were working at uh, a big fancy company called Honda. Honda, I've heard of them. Um, and how long were you with Honda? And tell us a little bit about your, your fancy job. Okay, so I was working there for over 10 years. I, I worked various positions. Like you could say I climbed the corporate ladder <laughs> from like the warehouse days to like getting an office job. All right. And I assume it's a pretty stable job. Yes. Pay pretty well. Yeah. You have some good benefits. Yeah. <laughs> Did they have a ten tennis club? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I thought. Yeah. You played on the tennis club. Um, so, Charmaine, you recently took a hard turn and quit that job. Why would you do that? Um, so it's kind of silly. Yeah. So one day I'm, like, sitting in my cube, and I'm just like, you know, what am I doing here? Like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not doing anything that's, like, helping society in a way. Like, I'm just working, you know, Excel spreadsheets, emails. That's it. And then... um. It just so happened me and my friend were like texting back and forth, just like, oh, what's next for us? I don't know. Like, we're both, you know, a little unsatisfied. And then um, she just said this like one thing that just like really impacted me. And she just said, well, 
if you're not helping others, you're never going to be happy. And then, I don't know, it, just that statement, it just like was a catalyst. It was like a God moment. Yeah. Well, and she'd taken a job at another company? Yes. Yeah. So she'd moved on from you, had the bigger, better job. And you were like, oh, maybe I should get a bigger, better job. And she says like, no, unless you're helping people, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. But I mean, she wasn't happy either. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I get it. I get it. Um, and so what did you do? Um, so I went back to school. So like the week after my friend texted me that it was just, um, there's like an informational meeting at Cal State Long Beach for a teaching program. And it just so happened I could still apply to get into the fall. I got accepted and things just started rolling from there. <laughs> and, uh, so do you really think you can get a teaching job? So I actually already got one. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Who are you teaching and what are you teaching? So um, I'm going to be at Richardson Middle School in Torrance Unified and I'm going to be teaching math. There you go. There you go. So, um, so Charmaine is like, if you, if you didn't have an eye out for her around City Church, you'd never see her. She's, she hangs out with the kids. She does our kids men's stuff. Uh, we have maybe, I don't know, a few hundred people in our database. She does our data for us uh this summer she's our free social media intern you know we're helping launch the social enterprise coffee shop to employ people coming out of homelessness so charmaine is doing our social media every day for that you'd never notice she she literally logs in as me <laughs> and does all this stuff so people think like wow look at bill which i love uh, <laughs> but you would never see her She's like five small barley loaves and two little fish. Like, what, what can be done with that? Just change the world. Hey, we're so proud of you. We're really glad to be your church. Thanks, Sherman. Thanks for Thank teaching you. us. Yeah. He is amazing. She is hating me right now. Like, I can't believe you said all that stuff about me. But this is the way of Jesus, people. Being, being unimpressive, but having a heart. And saying, I'm, I'm not too small. And the world's not too big. I actually have potency. And my church has potency. And we get to be with Jesus, who has potency. This is the journey we get to be on.